This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. This is Baseball Outside the Box with Peter Caliendo. Innovative thoughts from baseball's best coaching minds from around the world. Brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Now your host, former USA Baseball National Team coach, Peter Caliendo. Welcome to Copabe Playball, another great episode, and want to thank all of you joining us. It is going to be a great show, and get this, we are heading to the beautiful island of Aruba. Yes, I've been there several times, gorgeous. If you've never been there, take a trip there, take a vacation, go watch some baseball, and we're going to talk to a top, top person in Aruba baseball because you've seen there's a lot of great players coming out of Aruba. We know Bogarts and he's just one of them. We may talk about him a little bit and also some others. Again, I want to welcome our guest, Randolph Odubur. Randolph, let me tell you, he is the WBSC Athletes Commission. So he's on their commission. He's going to talk about that. Played pro ball in the States. But interesting. He played with the Netherlands national team with the WBSC. The Olympic qualifier was drafted by the San Francisco Giants. He didn't take then signed then. He went with the Nationals, um, went to Western Oklahoma State College. He was drafted in the 32nd round. He's got a great baseball background, great, great person. Got a chance recently to meet him for my very first time at the WBSC U23 World Championships. So let me welcome Randolph to the show. What's up, buddy? What's going on, Peter? How are you doing? And uh, thank you for in- inviting me to, to your show. I mean, it's a great show, great podcast. And I'm happy to be here. So uh, thank you. Well, I know Copabe is thrilled to have you because you know another Copabe athlete making it big time. Um, you're young and you've done a lot in the game. And I think Copabe and the countries in Copabe need to even learn more about you. we got a lot of great baseball people in Aruba, obviously. Um, I want to mention our good friend King, you know, the King, right? Eugene King Sale. Um, everybody knows him. He's been on my show before. Um, we'll get him on this podcast with Copabe. But, um, you know, interesting enough, in Aruba, it's such a small island. But I remember 20, 30 years ago being there also, um, a lot of great young players. In those days, when I went there, Randolph, I mean, the baseball fields were all just pretty much dirt fields. You know, people are just building them, just starting off. Um, But there was a lot of talent. So let's do this. Talk about how you grew up in Aruba, you know, how baseball started a little bit. Uh, and things you did when you were a young kid. I mean, and, and we could talk about the transformation of where it's, you know, where it is now, you know, developing major league players too. All right. Sounds good. Um, right, let's start. I mean, I was uh, born, born and raised in Aruba. And, and um, since I was, I think, four years old, you know, little guy, little boy jumping everywhere, parents decided to put me into baseball. And unfortunately, I mean, that's the only sport I ever played. I tried football. I didn't really like it. I tried, I mean, soccer, we call it football here, which is soccer. And I didn't, I didn't really like it. So I, I stick with baseball. And I mean, I played baseball my whole life. And growing up, um, like you said, Peter, our fields were dirt. And uh, so, you know, you learn how to, to catch ground balls with, on the dirt with the little, the balls bouncing everywhere. So it was fun. So that's, that's what helps us being good fielders and all that. 
Right now, of course, you have um, a couple of turf fields down here in Aruba, which makes it better. But let's go back into my early career. I played in Aruba, went to school in Aruba till I was uh, 18. Mm. But before that, I did different tryouts, but I never like, really clicked to get to sign. And uh, I, knew, I knew I had a good potential to sign, but the offer wasn't there. So, and my parents always pushed me, you know, we want you to finish your high school. Finish your high school. After you get done with high school, hey, you're free to decide what you want to do. Mm. So, you know, I want to finish my high school. And I knew my parents always tell, told me, hey, your education is really important. You never know baseball can, whatever can happen one day. And if you have your, uh, your education, you're in the safe side. So, you know, I finished my high school and I didn't really get a good deal to sign with. I remember doing different um, tryouts, different teams, but the deal wasn't there. So um, I was glad that I got a college. I went to tryouts in Curacao. I remember I went to tryouts in Curacao. And, uh, and then, you know, I got a good offer to go to Western Oklahoma State College. Mm. And, you know, going to Oklahoma... <laughs> It was a big step for me at that time. I bet. <laughs> I didn't know where Oklahoma even was. <laughs> Coming from Aruba and I'm, I'm used to beaches, used to warm weather the year around. But uh, I had a mission, I had a goal. And my goal was go play baseball, go finish my education. And I wanted to sign professional. I want to be like Andrew Jones back then or Jim King Seal, you know, I want to be like them. And um, when I got, uh, I got to the college, I was like, oh, this is not a college that you see on TV. You know, you know, you big, big college, big dorms, big fields. No, it was a small, small time, town in Altos, Oklahoma. And I'm telling you, one of the best program I've ever been, it was great and everything was right there you know walking distance to everywhere and uh coach the coaches until today is like a dad to me and we were together with Andrelton Simmons mm. went to that with that school too and um you know we 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 grew up together at that college and it was it was great experience um you know again coming from Aruba I had to deal with um the weather that was one of the toughest thing for me, the cold weather and the snow. And, you know, today, today rains, tomorrow is hot. I had to get used of that weather. Oh, yeah. But it was fun. It was fun, though. And um, for sure, for, after the first year, I got drafted with the Giants. And um, it was, I think, 40-something round. And again, it wasn't the deal I really wanted. And um, I decided to go back to the second year to college and then got signed again. You know, I was um, grateful to get drafted again and with the Washington Nationals. And I did sign with uh, OSU, Oklahoma State University. I had a full ride with them, but I decided to go play pro ball after that. So... All right, folks um, that are joining us on Facebook, if you have any questions, listen, Randolph got a great baseball background, and we're, we're talking to 
him about Aruba baseball, born in Aruba. And Randolph, you know, interesting. You always learn something. That's why I love these podcasts because, you know, you listen to the guests, even though we've talked in Mexico quite a bit, you listen to the guests and I always bring up something interesting. You know, one, didn't know that Simmons played with you over there at the college. Um, You know, we're seeing now Simmons in the big leagues. He's he's a free agent, Um, you know, a great shortstop, great outfield. I mean, this guy could play everywhere. Great personality like you. I've noticed a lot of great uh, a lot of players, actually people in the Caribbeans and Latin America, they got some great personalities, always smiling, always, intru- you know, having fun with the game. Well, one thing I want our audience to know is when you were a young kid playing in Aruba, you were talking about, you know, yeah, the fields were not that great. Um, at that time, did you guys play a lot of games and how have things changed when you were a kid then compared to now? We know the fields have changed because obviously you upgraded a lot of the fields, but what else has changed well, for young kids there, because I want to figure out some of the things that happened back then and now and why islands like, you know, Aruba are developing some very good athletes, not just at the big league level, but college, high school, uh, coming to the States. There's quite a few players. Why do you think that, that that's happening, you know, right now? I think back day, back then, like when I was young and before that, one of the big part of now was the facilities. Back then, we used to practice two times a week and play two times a week. Uh You know, that was it. Back then, we didn't have any cages or machine or, you know, those, those little equipments that you can practice more. We didn't have, like, a lot of ground balls where you go practice maybe an hour or two on Tuesday and Thursday and then you play Saturday, Sunday and you're done. Yeah. You know, and the extra work is like at home with a tennis ball, hitting the ball to the wall, catching ground balls, throwing. That's That was what I did. Yeah. And the guys I knew back then did the same thing because we didn't have like a baseball cage. Did like you guys right go out did you guys go out and play on your own like we used to when we were kids yes. here in the States? Yeah, we play a lot on the street or play, you know, go early to the field and, you know, play on ourselves. Um, and um, now we have more facilities, more cages that the guys can work out from Monday till Sunday, you know, and you have more things going. And back then it wasn't like that, but we still, I think back then we still wanted, we were hungry. We wanted to get there, you know, and being hungry, you know, we make us go outside and go do something, figure yeah. something else, figure something to do with what we have. Maybe if we don't have a ball, we'll, we'll, we'll make something up. Doesn't matter. We'll make something up. So um, I think that was a good thing about back then. Yeah. And now you have more, more equipments, more, um, more coaches, more experienced coaches as well. More guys that, you know, been through the game and now they're giving back like Eugene Kingsill. Yeah. Been through the league. He's been playing the big leagues and now he's giving back to the community. You know, back then we didn't have much of that. And like me, myself, when I went to college, um, I didn't have someone to tell me what to expect at the college. Yeah, now you do. Now, now I'm the one giving advices. Yeah. Hey, make sure you have this. Make sure you do that. Or, 
with the way they have to think. You know, back then I didn't have that. And now. So, yeah. And that's so important because, you know, as you mentioned earlier, I just want to mention this too and stress to all the kids out there um, that might be listening uh, to the show. Your parents told you, you know, hey, you got to get your education in first and get, you know, make sure you go through high school because they knew if you were going to go to college in the U.S., that that was a possibility that you better be educated. You better have that background because without that, you can't just fall back on baseball. Yeah, exactly. So I'm really I'm a person that really believes in education because, again, we never we, we don't want someone to get injured. But every inning, every ball that got pitched or hit, something can happen. Mm -hmm. you know, you can broke a, a bone, whatever, and you're not going to be playing anymore. And your education, nobody can take that education away from you. If you finish your high school, you finish your college, your degree, nobody can take it out from you. Nobody. That's yours to take. And you, you do what you did. Baseball on the other side, I mean, we all, we all want to make it to major league. Of course. I mean, who, who doesn't? You know, I played to make the major league. I didn't, but I mean, I have my education that I can fall right now to it. So um, I think it's really important. Let me ask you this, because that's interesting. Also, back then, when you were young, you didn't have players who had made it to the big leagues or even maybe professional ball um, or even college baseball. You didn't have that to look at. How did you come up with the idea yourself? Did you just say to yourself when you were younger, hey, I, you know, I want to go play in the States? Because you really didn't have the other guys to look at that made it. I think um, it had to do a lot with um, some guys knowing what was going on. Like Eugene Kingsley was in the big league, so he had some huh. friends maybe, for example, that can come up and, hey, we have, you know, this kind of thing going on. Or I remember we have one coach, uh, Milton Cruz, um, he was a scout and he played ball too. And he has, he had a lot of connections and he, he helped me a lot with tryouts too. Back then going to Curacao, making sure, you know, back then maybe one or two school will come. And, um, that's how pretty much we did it back then. Now we have more people, of course. What, what athletic skills do you think helped you propel to the level that you went to? We're going to get to the level of professional baseball and also the the national team what what athletic skills or maybe mental skills what what helped you progress i think one of them was my mental my mentality was really strong i i always wanted to reach the highest level i can reach and i i i mean i used to be quick so i used to be a six four runner not mm. anymore <laughs> back then that helps yeah that that was one of my biggest um weapons that i was i was quick so um, that was good. I, I, I always could have hit. So that's good. So that's, Randolph, that helped me a lot. Randolph, you mentioned the mental part. I think that's important too. Um, how did you do You were mentally strong, it sounded like. How did you deal with the failures? Because I'm sure everything wasn't a success. I mean, even when you got to the States in college, like you said, I've never, you know, it's a new country to you. It's a new place. It's a university you've never been to. You didn't know anybody. I mean, how did you deal with that make mental part to kind of deal with the failure aspect sometimes? I think it started in Aruba. Before even going to the state, I already started where I want to be, uh -huh. what I want to achieve in life and all that. So I, I knew I want to go to the state. And if I go to the state, it doesn't matter where I go, what college I do go, 
I'm going to give 110%. You know, if, if I don't make it to the major league, I know I'm going to make it in life or, or education-wise. I know I'm going to finish my school. And going to Oklahoma, it wasn't like the place, the best place, because it was different from Aruba. You know, and I couldn't make the decision, you know, uh, I don't want to be here. I'm going to go back. But then what's my goal? You know, where I want to be and I, what I do, I have to do to get there. And I think that helped a lot to having the right people in my life to, to, to help, to guide me going through every situation because I've been through a lot. I've been through a lot of injuries, um, you know, going up and then hit the injury and hit me back. You know, I had to stand up, stand up again. Sure. So, and I, I, I've been through a lot of injuries. And until today, I think and I believe that's one of the main reasons I didn't make it to the big leagues. It was, you know, a lot of injuries. But I, I feel like, you know, all those things happened that today I can be able to give back to what I, how I, 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 as a person, deal with all those situations. Well, what's amazing is, yeah, okay, you didn't make it to the big leagues, but, man, uh, I mean, to a lot of young kids in Aruba, you are a big league guy. I mean, think about, you know, uh, one, you play for the national team, the World Baseball Classic. I mean, talk about a lot of big leaguers there. Um, you know, I remember seeing the Netherlands team, I mean, loaded with big league players, uh, managed by Hensley Mullins, you know, a big league by the way, should be a big league manager, uh, in my opinion. But, you know, explain to our audience, because what's interesting is you're in Aruba, but you play for the Netherlands national team. So explain to our audience how that works. But there may be some people out there that really don't, you know, they don't know the system. Explain how that works and what that experience was like for you when you first made the national team. Um, well, first of all, I mean, Aruba, you have Aruba, you have Pierso. Bonaire, Sintestasia, St. Martin, I think a couple more, but we are all part of the um, Netherlands, of the Netherlands, so the, the kingdom of the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. So all of us, we have um, Dutch passport. So we are um, available to play under the flag of the Netherlands. So that's how it came together that I can represent the Netherlands. When I was young, I did play for Aruba. Okay. Uh, when I went to when I signed professional and um, all those um, big tournaments came up, I played for the Netherlands. So because we have Dutch passport, we are available to play for the Netherlands. And, and, and one of one of the reasons a lot of a lot of guys go to colleges in in the Netherlands, they go to university in the Netherlands, right? Because yes. there, there, are there universities in Aruba? There, there, right now there is, but I mean, of course, it's better to go to the Netherlands where, you know, bigger universities, much more options, um, depending what degree you want to go to, what you want to study. And it's a good experience for you as a student to go and live on yourself and learn how to, you know, take care of yourself be, beside just studying. So having a, a new experience in life. And what, what's interesting too is... Uh... Another thing that's a life experience that's going to help you tremendously help a lot of young people in Aruba is your multilingual. I mean, not only English, but talk about all the languages. Yeah, we, we speak, uh, our papiamento is our nature language. That's a mixture of like Spanish, Dutch, English, a little French. Um, and we speak Spanish, we speak Dutch. Wow. And English. 
our school system are in Dutch. So everything is in Dutch. And beside that, you have your English classes, you have your Spanish classes. Now you do have Papimento classes too, but Papimento, we speak on the street or at home. Folks, we're going to talk to Randolph about it. Not only has he propelled in baseball, because he's played in uh, independent ball with the Lincoln Salt Dogs, Fargo uh, Red Hawks, uh, which I know well because I was in the Northern League when they were there, um, Bologna, Italy, uh, but also serves on, we're going to talk about this towards the end, serves on a WBSC Athletes Commission. So, I mean, um, highly regarded in a WBSC, the World Baseball Softball Confederation, which is the governing body of the sport worldwide. Um, and Copabe is the governing body in Latin America, North, Central, South America, and the Caribbean. So, I mean, obviously going to a high level. Before we get to all that, Randolph, because there's a lot of interesting things here, um, you now make the national team, right? I mean, I think you made it as a younger player, or did you make it only as an older player? No, as a younger player. I'm not younger, younger, but 2013 was the classic, right? Baseball classic? Yes. I think that was my first time making the team, 2013. Talk about that experience, because here you have 2013. Who's the manager? Some of the players. Um, I know you were a very good player, but that could also be a little intimidating with some of those guys that were involved, um, you know, with the team. Yes. I mean, when I'm, uh, I'm going to go back for a little bit. In college, I already got to know that Netherlands is playing tournaments and this and that, the Olympics. They went to the Olympics. The baseball classic in 2006, I think. So I already knew, hey, I want, I want to make it too. You know, that's another option. You know, and um, I went to college, signed professionals, and I think 2011 there was a World Cup in Panama, mm -hmm. and the Netherlands won it. And uh, I was supposed to go to that uh, tournament, but I, I got injured. I got injured that year when I was with Washington. So Washington told me, hey, you know what? We're not going to let you go. We, we prefer to keep it safe. And you have a full off season to recover. Mm -hmm. and I was mad. I was pissed off. You know, I want to play. Sure. But today I can see, okay, you know, I can understand the decisions. And then, then, then we had 2013, I got invited to the camp. So, you know, we, we, you have preparation and all that. So, you know. I work as hard as I can because I know I had the ability to make the team. And um, then, you know, thank God I made it. And Bamba Merlis was the uh, manager. And you had Simmons, you had Sander Bogart, you had Jonathan Scope, Coco Valentin, you, you name it. And we had, we had a good team. And I was there young. I was, I was 23rd, I think years old, so I was really young. And um, and I made a team. I mean, it was one of the uh, first, pretty much the first tournament that I played that be, you know, with thousand of fans. So you can imagine the nerve was like up here. Where was and, that held? Sorry, I, uh, it started in Japan or Taiwan, something like that. Right. Either one of those countries, Korea, Taiwan, Japan. But uh, I mean, the experience behind that, oh, wow. You know, make it a major league is one thing. Make it to play in the baseball classic, side to side with top athletes that are in the major leagues or like playing in the major leagues, you know, and, and 
having that experience for me was a blessing. And being able to play in 2013 and in 2017 baseball classic was like, it was great. It was great having and being able to be in the Netherlands team. What were some of the takeaways? I mean, when you're dealing with guys like Hensley Mullins, you know, which is an outstanding manager, outstanding individual, what a role model. Um, you know, when you go through all these players, whether it be Bogart, Scope, Simmons, I mean, we're talking about at one time you guys had five shortstops playing in the starting lineup. One was in center, you had second, third, and short. Those were all shortstops. I mean, guys that played in the big leagues. What were some of the things you learned from them um, as a player? As a player, I remember um, um, Andrew Jones was on the team too. Ah, uh, yeah. It was a. It was like I was All like, I'm playing with Andrew Jones. There's someone that I used to watch on TV, and now I'm side to side to him. And I think he's one of the guy that that I ask a lot of questions, especially in the outfield, since I am an outfielder, and um, the way he thinks how he prepare himself before and during the game and same, same as the other guys, you know, Simmons and all those guys, how they think, you know, the game is mental, you know, how do you prepare yourself mentally and getting to know the game, getting to know the players who you're facing, where to play, how to prepare yourself mentally. And I think that's one of the most important thing that I learned is like, how do you prepare yourself? It's not just go to the field and play. There's a lot behind it. And the way you prepare yourself is really important. You know, knowing, again, who, knowing who you're playing with and where you have to play and, and, and all those um, little things that are really important. You know, what takeaways, it's amazing. You take all this experience of yours. Now you're, we're going to talk about this, folks. Talk, we're going to talk about what Randolph's doing in Aruba with baseball there, with his foundation, because he'll be able to take all these experiences and give them to young people like some of these guys did with you is really giving back to the game. But before we do, I want to tell you about um, uh, Andrew Jones. It's interesting, you know, with the World Baseball Classic, I was working as a technical commissioner and, and he was on the field and we were in Tokyo, if I remember right. Um, he was on the field. He was walking the field. It was AstroTurf. He was checking the turf out. Right. And, and, and he didn't really know me. I mean, because of Hensley, he introduced me to him. He, he, he was really nice. And he was looking at the turf and he said to me, see that right there? That's going to be a problem during the game. we got to make sure because that could take a bad hop. Right. Yes. So, OK. So I said, you know, well, yeah, really, that's interesting. No, it was nothing really bad. It was just he knew how the turf was laid out mm -hmm. during the game. I'm sitting pretty close to the Netherlands dugout. And I thought this was very interesting. Well, what happens is, I don't remember the inning, there's a ground ball, and it does take a tricky hop. <laughs> he turned around, he looked at me, and he winked. Like, say, I told you so. Yeah. That's how detailed that gentleman was. This guy's a Hall of Famer, but he wasn't just a player. He understood the game really well. Yeah, that's how he is. I remember, um, can't remember which game it was, but we had to walk the outfield, and he will throw balls to the wall just to see how the ball is going to bounce back from the wall. It, it might be like a little, little place that the wall is different and the ball is going to bounce different. So, you know, getting ready mentality to know if the ball bounces there, you know what's going to happen. You know, so nothing will surprise him during the game because he already prepared himself knowing 
what's going to happen if the ball hits, depending where. And I remember one game we playing, I think it was in Taiwan. I remember it was a lefty hitter. I was playing a little bit too much on the pull side for lefty. And I remember him calling me and moving me to the left. And he moved me exactly where the fly ball was hit. Wow. When, when I got to the dugout, he came up to me. I was like, hey, just listen, man. This is Andrew Jones. I was like, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Love you know, it. It's funny, but that's, that's how he thinks. And he knows he reads hitter, how he reads swings. And, you know, it's important. It's important. And, again, it's important to give back all those little details to the younger kids. Absolutely. Hey, listen, take us through now, because I think this is interesting. You took us through your college, you know, when you first initially got there and uh, now you started playing in Oklahoma, Western Oklahoma State College. But take us now when you were drafted, because, you know, that's another experience. All of a sudden you're drafted and now you you signed and you've got to go, you know, with the Nationals, you go into spring training. Talk about that experience for the first time. What would, What was that like? I mean, getting drafted was an honor. I mean, it's not easy, especially like coming from Aruba. You have to you have to prove yourself. You know, nobody knows you. The scouts maybe don't know you. You don't have like a track record that from high school they can track you and uh, see how you progress. You don't have that. We go there and you have to prove yourself right away who you are. Mm-hmm. And um, being being able to getting drafted. First and second year for me was an honor. And um, getting drafted, going to Washington, it was a dream come true. You know, you work all those years to to make it. And um, coming from Aruba, we didn't have much players getting drafted because back then, I mean, we didn't go to college as much. And um, then I got drafted. I was really happy. I mean, of course, you sign professional. And going to Washington again, I didn't have any body to really tell me what to expect. So I I got a phone call to congratulate me. I think it was a couple of weeks later that I'm getting, draft, getting drafted. And um, they asked me if I want to sign and all this and all, you know, the, all those business side. And we got to agreement and I signed. And I remember I was going to play summer ball in North Carolina, and I was there already. Ah. And they called me, Washington called me, and was like, yeah, you got to fly in tomorrow. I was like, oh, I got to go pack. So I packed, I went there, I went. To, I got to Washington to Florida. Back then they were in Vieira, Florida. Mm-hmm. So I got to the clubhouse. I mean, I, Peter, everything was new to me because I didn't know nothing. I didn't know what to expect, zero. <laughs> You know, and you knew the weather was good, so that was a positive. Yeah, the exam going to Florida. So I know the weather was good, it's gonna be sunny, it's gonna be warm. <laughs> but you know, so it was something new for me and and um getting to the clubhouse and seeing all those players, I was like, this is a it's not easy, you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. And seeing how everything works professional-wise and dealing with different characters you know every year is a new year but my first year i was on a mission back then my first year i want to make make it the major league my first year 
but I, of course it's not possible. And, um, you know, I, I worked, I was here, I was working out like I was in college mm. and they had to slow me down. I had to learn to slow down. Long season. Yes, it's a long season. It's like 100, back then it's 142 games in, in minor league. Was, was uh, that the hardest adjustment to make? Were there other adjustments that were difficult? One of them was slowing down my work because, you know, in college you want to go ahead and hit 200 balls off the tee. Right. In professional, it's not possible because you, you're not going to last the whole season. And I remember them having a meeting with me to slow me down. And back then, of course, I'm not going to believe it because the only thing I know is like hard work, you know, and um, I had to slow down. And my first year was awesome. I played GCL, hit 350-something, and um, I got moved up to low A. And the last couple of weeks in low A, I couldn't swing a bat. I was tired. You know, it was a long year for me already, playing college, mm -hmm. getting drafted, go play rookie, and uh, go play low A. So the, the last couple of weeks, I was, I was pretty tired. And I struggled my couple of weeks, but you know, the, that year was great. So getting used of, from college going to professional was, it was a great experience. Um, again, something new. And then we, we went to Aruba and get ready for the next year. Man, you have so much experience. It's interesting because, like you said, you go back to Aruba working with young kids, and all of a sudden you've got kids going to high school or college, pro. You can really help them prepare so well because that is a tough adjustment for anybody that's coming from another country, going to the U.S. Luckily, you spoke English. Luckily, you speak Spanish. you got a lot of different languages that you speak. Folks, uh, just so you know, if you're on Facebook Live or if you're on YouTube, I may be looking down. Um, I'm not being rude because I, I, I was taught real well by my parents. When you're talking to somebody, make sure you always look at them. That's a, that's a very important thing to me. But I do look down on a Facebook page because we have some questions. And, and folks, all you have to do, I know there's people that want to ask some questions. Just type them in the comments section, the questions, and I will ask Randolph those questions. Hey, Randolph, um, you know, I want to talk a little bit about your experience Um with the WBSC because, you know, you, I think it's a great honor um, for a young man. I call you young because of my age, but for a young man with your experience to be on the Athletes Commission. Talk about how that came about and the importance of this commission that was that was developed by the WBSC. I mean, it's funny how it all started. Uh, I remember can't remember when it was, maybe it was 2018, I was playing indie ball. I was with the Lincoln Salt Dogs. And, you know, we are on the national team too, Netherlands and all that. And we received an email and saying that WSC is uh, looking for athletes representative and all this. But at first I didn't really care. I was like, oh, you know, I'm playing baseball. You know, I, why, why do I want to be representative if I'm playing baseball, you know? And I remember they were sending emails reminding us, hey, if you're interested, um, please fill out this form, send this email, you, you gotta make a letter. So I was like, you know, I, I asked my sister, I was like, hey, can you make me a letter saying this, 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 like why I wanna do this? Just 
just a letter. And uh, I, I decided, you know, I'm going to send it in. And I was playing handy ball. I mean, I didn't really care anymore. And then I received a mail or a phone call. I was like, hey, I'm from the Netherlands. Hey, you made it. They choose you to be the athlete's representative. I was like, okay, great. I was like, so nice. what do I do? Yeah, what do I do? I have to do now. I don't know, because I'm still playing. You know, and um, and then obviously contacted me. I think we that year, I think we it was 2019, they chose me, and we had that um, conference in Japan. It was uh 2019 or 2018 was one of those years that it was premier 12. Yes. I didn't go because I was injured. <laughs> I didn't go. <laughs> I didn't go. And um, we had a conference, big WSC conference. And that was my first one. First conference as an athlete representative and it's full voluntary. And um you know, one of the questions I get is like, hey, they don't pay you. It's like, you know what? It's not a be about being paid for me. It's about the connections you get with those people and getting to travel the world doing what I love. You know, sometimes you got to give to get some. Absolutely. And, and I really believe in that. And um, given this, having this opportunity to meeting people and being able to represent athletes is a great great honor for me and um how it started and where i am right now it's i mean i can't complain what's the main goal of the athletes commission yeah our main goal is represent athletes making sure they are well treated while they are at a tournament you know if something happened to a player they can contact me directly if they're not comfortable contacting maybe the manager or or someone else in WSC. They can they can contact me directly and I can make sure this issue go to the board so they know what is going on. And you know, I can press, hey, let's let's do this better, or we have an issue with a player and let's make sure we take care of it. And folks, we're going to put on the Copabe Playball podcast website. We will put Randolph's information, his email there, so you can contact him. Hey, listen, I got to ask you this. I got a question that I'm going to ask from the audience on Facebook in a minute. Um, but I got to ask you this one because you mentioned injuries about a million times. Um, so since you mentioned it a million times, I you know, if this is good for the young players out there and coaches. Yes. Um, one, you talk about the mental part. Uh, you dealt with the injuries because, you know, mentally you were pretty good and pretty strong and you, you, you had a goal in mind. So you persevered, but let's talk about what could you have done better to prevent some of these injuries um, and what advice you might have with young players, because, you know, I understand injuries could happen, but we're trying to prevent them. So sometimes we have to do some work to prevent them. You know, a lot of times what happens, Randolph, you know, this, Somebody gets hurt, an example, Tommy John surgery, right? They get hurt. Now they got to work really hard for a year. I mean, really hard to come back. They could have put that work a lot sooner and maybe reduced the ability of getting an injury. So talk about that, how you handled it. Um, well, the way, the way I handle it, I mean, 
It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. Um, going back to my injuries, I'm going to just be quick on that. Pulled my hamstring like five times. Mm, wow. Um, I had handmade surgery. I broke the bone right in the hand. I broke it, so I had the surgery. I broke my ankle. I, I had to do, um, I think, uh, my, my, my groin once. So, but mostly it was my hamstrings. So I really had problems with hamstrings. And um, I think one of, the, one of the important thing is listen to your body. Listen what your body tells you. And um, I feel back then I was afraid of telling coaches if I was hurting. Because one thing is like, if you're hurting, one thing is sore. And back then, coaches like, now nah, if you're if you're hurting, you gotta push through it. Mm. I understand the part of you know you gotta push as hard as you can, but again, you have the difference between pain and sore. And we have to teach our young guys, making sure they they tell their coaches what they are feeling and making sure they know the coaches are not going to put them aside because of that. Because you have that in professional ball that I was worried about if I sit one day out, somebody else will play in front of me. And for example, if he goes three for three tomorrow, he might get a chance to play again. And and if I'm feeling good tomorrow, I'm not going to be playing. Because yesterday I was hurt. He got a chance to play. He played better. And he got a chance to play again. Mm -hmm. And you have all those things in mind that you want to push through it. And then sometimes it's better to sit maybe three days instead of sitting four months. And, um, And that's when it comes down to making sure players know that, hey, this is why we are telling you to take a rest, you know, and listen to your body knowing how far you can go. And if something's hurting, take care of it. You know, it's really important. Yeah, those are great points. I love that part because, you know, nowadays, you know, it's important to manage your coaches, communicate with the players what you just said, because if the players don't understand that, they're going to be fearful. And folks, we know the most famous story about that, I think was, uh, Wally Pip and uh, Lou Gehrig, if I remember the name, if I got the name right, Wally Pip, remember, sat down and then Lou Gehrig's career started and uh, he never stopped. Um, hey, let's take a question here, uh, Randolph. We're almost to the end, but let's take a question from Antonio Rangel. He said, uh, excuse me, sir, Randolph, what's the biggest achievement you received in your life through baseball? So the biggest achievement. That the biggest achievement, I think, um, first of all, having the honor to to live my dream um, and um, being able to play with players that I never thought I was being able to play. And and, um, one of my best tournaments was uh, Premier 12, 2015, where I was best outfielder, more stolen bases, and best uh, one of the best hitters, top hitters. And um, those were one of my biggest achievements playing the classic. You know, and uh, and and now being able to give back, you know, helping others. And speaking about giving back, there's no doubt about it. You reached some great achievements. Um, speaking about giving back, you started a foundation, the Thrive Foundation in Aruba. 
Um, and folks, uh, we're going to put that information up because you can help with the Thrive Foundation. Randolph, tell us about why you started the foundation and what it's all about. Well, the reason why I started, I always wanted to get, give back. I always wanted to give back to my community of Aruba, knowing what their needs is. And I always want to give back in sport and education. For me, too, they are big, big part of Aruba is our education and sports. And I want to make sure to help athletes and non-athletes in education to succeed and make the dream come true. And uh, we currently are working on representing players or helping players go into the States. Right now we have one player who we sent uh, this year. He went to Western Oklahoma State College. Mm. We help him to get a, a, a scholarship. So one of the main reasons is helping players and making sure to, to help them having the mentality, the right mentality, how to compete, how to have a strong mentality. And we are focusing on giving like speeches at schools and um, making sure we, we give our, our um, you know, how to, how to have the mentality to succeed in life. Either if you succeed in, in the athlete's form or, or just a degree. And now we want to also give back to our coaches. Because if, if we teach our athletes, but we don't teach our coaches, we're, not, we're, we're like going up and down a little bit. You know, and uh, we're working on a coaching seminary this coming January. Let's hope we can give, give, get the sponsor and, you know, all that so we can get that going for helping the coaches as well. But our foundation is mainly focused on education and sport. Awesome. And Randolph, you read my mind because one of the things I was going to ask you, that's great stuff you guys are doing. I hope folks that go to the website can help out, whether it be a donation or whether helping find sponsors. But talk to Kapabe countries, talk to countries all over the world, people involved in the game of baseball. Um, I want to kind of finish it off with this because I think it's so important. Talk about developing these young players. I'm talking about the real young kids, the key factors. You mentioned one of them. It's probably the biggest one. That's coaching. Uh, talk about how important that is and why. Yeah, I think coaching is really important. And the other thing is important for me is communication. Talk with your players. I know sometimes it's hard because maybe you have two or three hours, but if you can maybe talk with one player today, you don't know what difference you can make with that 15 minutes that you talk with that kid. You know, and maybe in a couple of weeks, you talk with the whole team and you you build a different relationship with the players. Instead of just practicing, 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 now we're building a relationship together so we can understand each other. You know, it's not about yelling to them, but making sure they understand the reason why you're yelling. Re maybe they're not understanding what you mean, the way you want them to do something. Now, if we, we are explaining to them so they can understand, it's different. Because maybe we are, we, are, we are yelling in some words 
that they do not understand. So we got to speak their language. If you can speak their language so they can understand, now we're building a relationship which can help us go into the field and making sure and helping them to play better. Because now they understand why they're doing something. You know, and I think it's really important for communication and um, putting parents, letting parents know what you're doing. Who are you as a coach? You know, the, how do you deal with players? So you don't have questions like, oh, why do you deal with that with my coach, with my son? Making sure your parents are involved in what you are doing with the, with the players, especially young players. You know, and young players, like I, I give lessons to like five to seven years old sometimes. And hey, it's sometimes it's stressful. Yeah. You know, because you gotta you gotta keep telling them, hey, you do this, do that, do this, do that. And sometimes you got you gotta have you gotta make a conversation with them so they can understand why they're doing this. And um it's fun though, it's fun working with kids and I think, like I told you, communication is really important. You know, in most countries around the world, just a couple more things, Randolph, then we'll let you go because it's been fantastic and so thrilled that you were able to join us. Um, you know, everywhere around the world, we have a lot of things in common. One of the most things in common, I'm sure it's the same thing in Aruba, um, and that is when you talk about coaches, a lot of the coaches are actually parents. You know, yes. they're, they're doing their best. I know this, folks. I'm going to mention it because I mentioned it so many times, but I'd like to mention this. Um, to me, the volunteer coaches are the most important person when it comes to the development of kids at, at the grassroots level of sport. They're the biggest group of coaches worldwide. There's now there's more volunteers than any other coach in the world when you combine them all. So they're so important. There's that fine line because they're parents, but they're also coaching. Kind yes. of finish it off with that a little bit, how important it is educating the parents because they're well-intended, they mean well, they've played the game, but maybe they haven't coached the game yet. So to give back to them is so important because now you're giving back to the kids also. Yes, I think it's really important. Like, like you said, I mean, a lot of parents are volunteering themselves, helping other kids too. So it's important for them to get to know the game, you know, getting to know the inside part of the game. And um, if we can teach our parents, they can teach someone else. And that's how we'll, we'll move on and more people will get to know the game. And it's like I said, it's really important for our parents to, to get to know the game because they can help their kids too. If there's, they, we, they don't have practice that day, their parents know, hey, I can do this at home. Yes. Maybe 10, 20 minutes of work they did something with their kid. Yep. And it makes the work for the coach easier if we can do that, those extra work. And that's just by giving back to the parents, making sure they know what we're doing, why we're doing it, how we do it, you know, and helping them so they can do it at home and making sure, making the process for the coaches easier too. Fantastic stuff. And folks all over the world, we got to work together on this, making coaches better at the grassroots level. We got a lot of coaches that are great at the higher levels. And we got some great coaches at the younger levels too. Don't get me wrong. 
but it's important that we continue to develop the grassroots level of coaching worldwide. That's how the, the sport will continue to grow because it keeps growing, but we got to keep it going. Hey, uh, listen, Randolph, great way to end this. Here's the way to end this because I, you, you mentioned this. Baseball is a great sport to be involved in, but you got to have a career after baseball. Yes. You went through high school, you went to college, you talked about the education. Talk about the career after baseball, because you have a choice to make now. You and I were talking off the air. You want to continue to play, but you have to decide, you know, should I continue to play? Do I still have it in me or do I get going with my career? Because you have a lot going on in baseball, making baseball your career. Talk about how you're going to make that choice because other players and kids in the future are going to have to make that choice also. How are you going to make that choice? Well, first of all, um, I had to deal with myself. I had to ask myself questions and I had to be straightforward with myself. Um, baseball, you know, besides being, being the sport that I love, it's also my job. So we, I make money playing the sport. Now I have to decide what is important. You know, I love the sport, but I have to deal with financial stuff too. You know, before the game, after the game, I have to buy my own, my, my food. I have to pay for whatever thing you have to pay. So I have to think 10 years from now, not next year or two years. I have to think the long term. What, what is the better choice to make to, to make it in life after baseball, which is not easy because all I, I knew is playing baseball. You know, getting up in the morning, and go to the gym, go to the field, go play ball. You know, that's, that's what I know. I never been in the business side of getting up and having meetings, um, dealing with customers. No, I, I don't know that, you know? And now I always told myself that I wanted to do what I love, work something that I love. What I love is baseball, sports. Now, how can I make a living being in the sport, sport world? You know, and how can I do it? And first, I was like, sometimes, like I told Peter earlier, I have to give back sometimes. Foundation is, was just a part of it. Mm. Foundation, I don't make money doing the foundation thing. But I'm building a process like I'm doing step-by-step. Step. I believe in baby steps. Everything I do is like step-by-step. Step. I, don't, I don't like rushing, you know, and starting foundation. And um, now we have Dream Glove Company, which is a company in the state. We are partners. And that's a company where we customize gloves. Again, I'm going back into the baseball business. business. Yeah. You know what I mean? So we have, we customize gloves, we customize batting gloves, uniforms, bags, um, whatever. And I'm doing something that I love. Like people get come to me, I was like, hey, can I customize a glove? Can you help me? I was like, of course, because I'm doing something that I love. And I'm being in the sport. Sometimes it's hard because not everyone can can. Uh, um, answer the question of what do I love? What do I want to be? How do I get there? And you have to make your steps. You have to work. You got you to write a lot. Write where you want to be in 10 years. 
and trust the process. There's gonna be failure in between it. But again, you gotta remember where you wanna be, where you wanna be in 10 years. It's not gonna be a great road, of course not. But for me, that's how I do it. You know, I go baby steps, get in my, ment my mentality ready for failure, make sure I'm strong. If it happens, I'm ready, but having my focus towards where I wanna be. So um, that's really important. You know, folks, uh, that is great stuff. And that's why I love the program, the Thrive Foundation that you started in Aruba. I think you're going to really start to develop even more players for the game of baseball, but also for the game of life. Um, you know, what's great about baseball, it's, it teaches you life skills. You know, we talk about leadership, you talk about failure. Um, you combine that with university education, you know, your basic skills of learning how to read, write, and everything else. You got communication. Baseball teaches us so much. Um, so I think you're on the right path, my friend. Um, I know you're going to make a decision soon if you're, if you're going to play or not. I know you'll make the right decision, um, and I wish you the best of luck. I know Kapabe is thrilled that you are part of Kapabe um, as a player, as a coach, as a leader um, in Aruba baseball, and want to wish you the best. And thanks for being on the show, man. It was a thrill. Hey, thank you very much, Peter. I mean, I know for sure this is not going to be the last time. No. We're going to come back. And we, we have a lot to talk, and uh, I'm happy. I, I love, again, I love to give back. And any any question, anything you need, just let me know, and we'll do it. So uh, thank you for the opportunity, and uh, we'll keep in touch. Oh, All by right. the way, I will, I will let you know the Tri Foundation information as well. Yes, fantastic. We'll put that on the show notes for the Copabe Playball Podcast. Thank you to Randolph. Fantastic show. Thank you to, for Copabe for allowing me to be their host for Copabe Playball. Hey, thanks to all the listeners in Copabe. And I know we have listeners all over the world, but thanks to everybody for listening. I'm your host, Pete Caliendo. This is Copabe Playball. And we'll see you on next week's show, everybody. Stay safe and healthy. And God bless y'all. Bye, everybody. Take care, everybody. This has been Baseball Outside the Box with Peter Caliendo. Listen online at BaseballOutsideTheBox.com and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and all major podcast outlets. Join the conversation on Facebook and Twitter. Get all of our podcasts now at LineUpMedia.fm.